0: This is the Gary V Audio Experience.
1: Would you be more likely to invest in a cannabis startup that had mediocre product and incredible marketing or incredible product, mediocre marketing? Both. They both have a, a, a future.
0: Yeah, the first one's gonna work because most people don't know what the fuck they're eating, drinking, or smoking.
1: Woo! What?
0: I'll say it again. The first one will work because if it's just mediocre but the marketing is phenomenal, 98% of the world are gonna fucking smoke it and not know that it's mediocre. All of you do that every day. I loved everybody's faces like, nah. I was like, you do that every day. Every one of you is eating or drinking something mediocre compared to the person that actually knows what the fuck's going on in that category and you don't give a fuck. So both. Yes. Because a great, great, great product with mediocre marketing, you can always fix the marketing. And if the product's fucking the best, it's always got a shot.
1: Okay, but let me play the devil's advocate. Go ahead. I, you know, I'm just, I've been paying a lot of attention to the weed space for a long time, looked at a lot of influencers who started brands and even a lot of the biggest rappers who are the biggest potheads, who are the most associated with cannabis that you would think would have the best chance at getting a weed brand off the ground. I talk to the weed shops, they ain't selling shit. That's because being famous has nothing to do with marketing. Two different things, you're right. right?
0: I know. Like, being famous is amazing. It gives you an opening chance, but if your marketing isn't on point, it's not going to matter. So, to your point, I don't think you're playing devil's advocate. You just twisted it to a different part, which is appropriate. You could have the biggest names in hip hop or in culture be associated with it, but that has a separate conversation to marketing. As a matter of fact, I would argue that most businesses that over rely on a human being's popularity almost always have shit
1: marketing because they think the popularity is gonna be the marketing. So describe the success of something like Happy Dad, which just, I see that, and I'm like, these dudes are the ultimate marketers. They're not just guys who were able to put their names on product. The milk boys, they bring a Happy Dad to the service. I'm not sure how much better the product is than a white claw, I'm assuming the yep. difference isn't huge. But when I look at that, I'm like, okay, that's that's how you do it. I still feel like I haven't really seen a weed brand hit it on the head like that in terms of using the influencer to push the product and make it cool. There's
0: a lot more friction in the weed game than the alcohol game, mm-hmm. right? There's still more friction. We're just still earlier. Prohibition was in the 30s and 40s. We need a few minutes here to get the friction out of the system. On the Nelpoys answer, the Nellboys do their thing and Kyle works real hard. John, Steve works hard. But what a lot of people don't know now, I think with the Full send podcast people know a little more, John, who's their partner, he's been doing this for 15 years. He's a marketing person. He was early Vine. He figured out how to market on Snap and TikTok. Like, there's, there's talent in John as a marketer. He's a businessman. And so, it's not just Nelk, who them themselves, I find to work pretty hard for people that have big audience, but, it, but the behind the scenes and slightly more in front of the scenes now with the podcast, John it has a lot to do with Happy Dad, and a lot of celebrities and influencers that look like the Nelk boys, they may have the audience and they might be the talent, but they don't have that business operator in the mix, and that's the difference there.
1: Yeah, like the no Boys, I think on their own, seem pretty incredible as businessmen, but their real genius was going in and hiring some guys who were 20 years older than them to have real deal business chops to take projects that might have took them 10 years to get going and they're getting it done in like six months. I mean, that's incredible from my perspective.
0: What this space knows, definitely. I mean, if you're in this crowd right now, if you've been about this life, like, you're not coming to this, like, just casually. What everybody here knows, whether it's in cannabis, and this has happened over the last five years, or in other sectors, and what the world's starting to understand, I can see the collective starting to put the pieces together, the sizzle is fun. The hype is fun, it's nice. But, like, nothing has ever actually won on pure hype. It's always gonna be operations. This is real business out here. You've gotta fucking operate. You have to know. And a lot of people are now becoming entrepreneurs and getting into it over the last 10 years for the first time. Everybody came into the game and thinks it's easy or we're just gonna get this famous person. This is hard fucking work out here. It's fucking lonely being an entrepreneur. It's all on your fucking shoulders, on your fucking chest, it's hard out here. And it's, it's hard because nothing fake ever actually wins. It might look like it's winning, it might be up by 30 in the first quarter, but that team is gonna fucking lose that game. And I'm excited because I think now that people have been fucking with entrepreneurship for 10 years, I can sense that people are starting to understand that there's a lot of bullshit, it looks good, you think it's gonna be good, but you're starting to find people that are trying to actually ask real questions, not just like, people just made assumptions, like, oh, this person's gonna be associated with it? It's gonna sell out, cool. Even if it sells out for the first year, what about next year? (laughs) What about the third year? What about production? What about when supply chain gets fucked up with COVID? Do they know what the fuck to do? This is real fucking business
1: definitely what I find fascinating too is that when I look at top weed brands or the weed brands that I think are doing the best marketing I look at something like Munch and I see their biggest thing is just the real boots to the ground marketing getting it into the hands of cool ass people and really like 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 the thing that you can't buy which is just really having that relationship with people and making the people love you they're about that life Mm.
0: Like, you know, authenticity and real gets thrown around a lot, it's cliche, it also happens to be true as fuck. Like if you're of it, if you're of it, you're in it, you have real relationships, people know, your word is bond, they fuck with you, they know you, if you go take that and then you fucking actually work and build, you know, Jungle Boys isn't getting there by accident. That's not a by accident. That's fucking years of proper execution and strategy. They're like, yo, the cannabis part is fucking friction. It's gonna take a minute. Let's build a big ass apparel business that people fuck with. They're gonna fall in love with the brand and then as shit opens up, that's gonna fucking parlay into our business. That was smart and executed with real long-term vision and effort for people that were actually of it. The formula is clear. Most people just don't want to put in the work that is required to actually build something meaningful because most people want shit too fucking fast.
1: Fast. When we were talking backstage, you said something about how not only do you think that the future of cannabis is gigantic, that you're also very optimistic about the future of, like, quote unquote from you, fungus. I've been getting started a lot of ketamine ads on Instagram. Are you looking down the road and thinking, wow, there's going to be a whole lot of shit that's illegal right now, and there are big business opportunities, and that people are going to be figuring out ways to use these in productive ways? Yes. yes. Are you invested in any uh, mushroom startups or anything along
0: I haven't yet, because the NFT thing completely fucking ate up my life the last 17 months while I was hot on a psychedelic mushroom kind of kick as a hypothesis. Plus, that's even behind cannabis right now. So for me, everything I do is about timing. I bought Ethereum in 2016, but I wasn't making unlimited content to everybody. I waited until I thought it was of scale where it might begin to mean something for the next decade. That's kind of how I think about that market. It's very clear to me that it's coming. You know, for me, when I think about those two categories, there's a, forget about the money and the business thing, on a philosophical kind of point of view around humanity, it is very clear to me that so many people are going to benefit physically and mentally from this consumable product in both categories that today are taking some other horseshit that's not as good for them. And so that's just exciting for me to see play out over the next, two, three decades and so I'm keeping my eye on it. I'm definitely following entrepreneurs that I think are authentic to it. I try not to run into shit when I first see it. Too fast, coming too hot, I wanna be thoughtful. I wanna have at least a baseline education on what the fuck I'm talking about. But I've definitely gone into the lab in my dome about this is, now, a seed of like this fucking space is gonna happen too. Let me look at what people are doing, how they're doing it. Let me learn who's real, who's full of shit. So I'm plotting, I'm plotting.
1: You're paying attention, okay. I like it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of waiting for the cocaine IPO. I feel like that's gonna be a big day.
0: I'm not as sold that that's gonna be completely legalized so quick. That might be after I'm in the ground.
1: Tony Soprano is coming back to wave what he's owed. What's your personal relationship with Camus, if any?
0: My personal relationship is, I, I'm a child of the 80s. My mother is my hero. My number one, by far. She got Nancy reagan out in 1984. And she came up to me at 14 and said to me, sat me down, only time in my life, sat, like ever did anything like this, she sat me down and said, I never want you to do drugs, promise me right now. And I said, I promise. I went to Mount Ida College in 1994. My friend Miz, Moose, LA, spent four years, because those three guys and my other four core best friends, probably smoked seven to 12 blunts to the face a day oh while, we, while we played Madden and did all that shit. They spent their entire four years trying to get me to smoke. It didn't happen. So my personal relationship with it is, I'm not a consumer. Um, and But on the flip side, even back then when my mom was trying to scare the shit out of me about it, I'm really not great at judgment. You know, and so, even from, forget about now when it's easy to be more thoughtful about the subject matter, even back then I was always of the mindset of like, this is just like alcohol,
1: this is just like other shit, so that's my relationship. See, my thing with weed is like, even when I'm trying to slow the fuck down, it's still, at the end of the day, I'm like you, my brain is going 60 miles per hour, and it's just hard to slow it down, and weed has always been the thing that allows me to just cool it off so I can go to bed. And sometimes I feel like if I didn't smoke weed, I'd be up until four in the morning every day freaking out. To the
0: point I just made, I, I think that there are so many people that grew up in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s who've passed away, whose life, quality of life could have been dramatically better if we didn't taboo the product when we did. And so... You know, I had somebody scolding me in a business meeting, one-on-one dinner, about how deep I am in the cannabis business while they were drinking a fucking Johnny Walker on the rocks. And I was letting, I was kind of rope-a-doping them. I was letting them go deeper because I wanted to kind of end the conversation on a, on a knockout punch. And, then, and, then, and I was like, you're talking about people who don't have balance. I'm like, you're drinking something right now that millions of people die from because they don't know how to have balance with alcohol. The thought like, of a lot of these things, people go to the extreme of bullshit with it, which is, it is so clear, I'm a big fan of history. Before we decided to make this thing taboo, this shit was a dominant good force for people in the 1800s. It's black and white, there is no debate. And so, for me, this is, this is a wrap. It is very obvious how cannabis will play out the rest of my life, the rest of my kid's life. I think the same will happen with certain psychedelics and, and shrooms, and, and I'm happy for humanity that the conversation's happening.
1: I, I, have, a friend, uh, I have a friend who uh, told me he used to roll around with a big-ass bomb all the time, like a two, three-foot-tall <laughs> bomb all the time. And then at some point he starts to experience more and more success in the music industry and he said that he realized he had to let the bomb go because he felt like nobody was taking him serious enough in the music business because he was giving off an image as if he's a stoner. Now, from my perspective, I'm a stoner, I build a pretty cool business. I know a lot of other stoners who build some pretty cool businesses. Do you think that stigma is here to stay?
0: I don't, I think it's declined dramatically in the last 10 years, like, I mean, just looking at the body language, just think about how much has changed in just 10 years. The sigma's way down. Um, but, you know, the reality is, is like, the, back to your point, you built a really cool business, I think a lot of people here are realizing, build shit for yourself that nobody has anything to say about, and then you can do what the fuck you want. When I was coming up and just wearing jeans and T-shirt and sneakers at business conferences in 2006 and seven, I got crazy judged. I was a bad student and I dressed casual. I wasn't serious. I wasn't worried about that because I was building a business in entrepreneur land where their opinions on me had no fucking say. And I think as the world is evolving where a lot more people are just building things for themselves, People would prefer to make a little less money but have a lot more control about how they want to navigate life, and I'm happy for people about that.